In 2005, a sociologist named Christian Smith published a book on the faith life of teenagers. Now, in 2005, I was 17, so this was a book about me and my generation. But he published this book on the faith life of teenagers, this this large study on the faith life of teenagers. And in order to describe the predominant religious beliefs of teenagers at that time, he coined a phrase that has then kind of taken off and been popular because it's very helpful to understand. The phrase, the label he gave, was moral therapeutic deism. Let's unpack that. Deism is a religion that believes generally in a god, a creator god, but a god who is generally disconnected from humanity. So, okay, there's a god, he created the universe, that's nice, but there's no revelation, he hasn't really spoken directly to us, so you don't have to believe in something like the Bible or the scriptures. And generally, he doesn't necessarily involve himself in your life. He's not a daily presence. He's just kind of there if you need him. If you ask for a problem to be resolved, maybe he's there. And he kind of generally cares what you do, but not really. That's deism. Moral is the idea that the entire focus of religion is on morality. And Christianity is criticized as being a moralistic religion, but but we are way less moralistic than moral therapeutic deism. Because a lot of this belief believes that the whole point of religion is morality. All God cares about is that you're nice and kind to people. That's it. That's the only thing that matters. It's just a moralistic religion. The only thing that matters is what you do. And then the therapeutic. Its purpose is to make you feel good. And so you put that all together and you get the faith life of certain generations of our society. Certainly my generation and the generations after me and probably a little bit ahead of me. It's this idea that, yeah, I'm kind of spiritual but not religious. God is there. Sometimes I talk to him but I don't really have to and he doesn't necessarily care about that. As long as I'm nice to people, I'm going to be fine and basically everybody goes to heaven. Now compare that very widespread belief with our second reading. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain, you are still in your sins. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are the most pitiable people of all. Christianity is not moral therapeutic deeds. Christianity is a belief in the resurrection of Christ. Unfortunately, because moral therapeutic deism is so prevalent in our society, many Christians are tempted to reduce our faith down to moral therapeutic deism. Okay, I read the Bible, but the Bible only cares if I'm nice to people. Okay, I believe in a God of revelation, but that God simply revealed that he wants all of us to be happy and go to heaven. Nothing more. This is the type of belief that leads us to regard Jesus merely as a prophet or merely as a holy man or merely as a nice guy and not as the God of the universe who became flesh, who died on the cross and then rose from the dead. But if Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain and you are still in your sins. The reason St. Paul says that is because the problem that 
we are trying to solve, that Christianity is trying to solve, that God needed to resolve by becoming man and dying on the cross. The problem is the problem of sin. And sin cannot be addressed by platitudes. It can't be addressed by prophecy. Sin is a force. It is a power that has to be conquered. And Jesus conquered sin. Jesus showed that he was more powerful than sin. The wages of sin is death. And so when Christ conquered death, he was showing his power over sin. And so if we don't have the resurrection, if the resurrection is not the center of our belief, then sin has not been conquered. And nothing we do really matters. Our religion has no effect on our lives or on the world. Because the thing that God needed to fix isn't fixed. The resurrection is Christ's power over sin and death. It is the center of our faith. So, if the resurrection is the center of our faith, how do we deal with the Beatitudes? We are tempted to regard the Beatitudes as temporal statements, as statements about this world. Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who are hungry, blessed are those who are weeping, blessed are you when people hate you. Yeah, I mean, these are statements about the state of the world now, But Jesus isn't saying the more unhappy you are, the closer you are to God. Or I guess he's not saying the more unhappy you are, the more blessed you are. The reason he's saying this, and the reason he's saying woe to the rich, woe to those who are filled, woe to those who laugh, and woe to those who are popular, is because those who are poor and hungry and weeping and persecuted, they go down on their knees and they beg God to help them. They beg God to have power over the forces of evil in their life. If you are poor, or if you are hungry, or if you are weeping, or you are persecuted, you know that there is sin and evil in your life that you cannot conquer. And so you go to the Lord. And blessed are those who go to the Lord. Blessed are those who rely on the Lord. Jesus isn't condemning happy people. He's not condemning those of a socioeconomic class. He's saying, it is going to be really hard for you if you are rich or filled or laughing or popular. Because if you're comfortable, if you're satisfied, if there's nothing that you lack in this world, then you have way less motivation to go to God. You have way less motivation to rely on God, to rely on the power of God over sin and evil. It is so easy to only rely on ourselves. This is what moral therapeutic deism does. It's really all about me. It's all about my efforts. As long as I'm nice to people, I'm going to be fine. God doesn't really have anything to do with that. He's just there like a vending machine to give me what I want when I put in enough prayer. It's not Christianity. Christianity is relying on the Lord always because only he has power over sin and death. Only he can conquer the forces of evil in this world. Blessed are those who rely on the Lord, and woe to those who rely on themselves. That's why the church gives us, paired with that gospel, this first reading. Cursed is the one who trusts in human beings, who seeks his strength in flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a barren bush in the desert that enjoys no change of season, but stands in a lava waste, a salt and empty earth. 
My generation was given moral therapeutic deism, and it is no wonder that so many of them struggle so much emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. I know so many people who have gone through incredible periods of their life where they feel like they are standing in a lava waste, a salt and empty earth, because they've been taught to rely on themselves. If there is evil or suffering in their life, they don't know what to do with it because they're alone in this desert. They rely only on human beings. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. He is like a tree planted beside the waters that stretches out its roots to the stream. It fears not the heat when it comes, its leaves stay green. In the year of drought it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. What a lovely image of a rooted plant whose roots are constantly in the water, soaking in the life-giving water of the stream. Blessed are those who rely on the Lord because they are constantly soaking in what the Lord is giving them. Even in drought, even in heat, they have nothing to fear because they are on their knees asking Jesus to conquer the sin and the death and the evil in their lives. All of us, in some way, shape, or form, regardless of how much money is in our bank account, regardless of how many friends we have. All of us have places where we are poor, where we are hungry, where we are persecuted, where we are weeping. All of us have those places. As long as we take those places to God, we're going to be fine. It is our impulse to run from those places, to say, I don't want to deal with the places where I'm sad or where I'm hungry or where I'm poor. But the whole point of these readings today, the whole point of our focus on the resurrection of Christ, is that if we take the places where we struggle, where we have evil and sin in our lives, and we bring those to God, the resurrection, Christ's power over sin and death, the resurrection will conquer those things. We simply have to be bold enough, courageous enough to bring the parts of us that hurt to the Lord. And as we bring them to him, the power of his resurrection, the center of our faith, the only reason our faith is not in vain, the power of that resurrection will heal us, it will conquer that evil, and it will bring us into a life of blessedness.